The Game of Zen explores the often overlooked ways in which professional, personal, and spiritual growth are interrelated. We dive deep into the life teachings of the Buddha and the mindfulness practices of Zen, revealing how they can help us dramatically expand our possibilities for wholehearted work, life, and play. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Game of Zen podcast. This is Scott here, checking in from Philadelphia, PA. As usual, I'm with my good friend and Zen master, Paul. How's it going today? It's going really good. Good, good to be here, Scott, and good to see you, Bruce. Pleasure. So we're excited for a very special guest today. My friend Bruce Eckfeld is here with us today. Thank you very much for showing up, Bruce. Yeah, I'm excited for this. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Yeah. So Bruce, uh, who I've known for several years, met originally through the cannabis space. He's a strategic leadership coach, a podcast host. He's got a, a retreat business called Wilder Retreats, where he's a facilitator for executive leaders. He's a founder and CEO of an Inc. 500 company. And he's a, a huge outdoor enthusiast, and he's been climbing mountains and doing things since he was a, a wee lad. So, uh, Bruce, thanks again, and I'd uh, love to hear more about your background and tell us all about yourself. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure, Scott, and thanks, Paul, for having me on. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for this. I mean, I, I've had this long history of uh, business, but then also kind of outdoor adventure, outdoor sports. Um uh, I grew up in Minnesota, right, which kind of, you know, puts you in the in the thick of various kind of outdoors activities, um, you know, whether it's uh, uh, I was skiing, I was uh, actually biathlon, I was rowing, I was a uh, cyclist um, and uh, just developed a love of the outdoors from an early age. I, I grew up going to the Boundary Waters in northern Minnesota for the summers and doing camp and everything. Um, and then, you know, uh, life kind of progressed and uh, I was in Montreal for a while, did a couple of degrees in architecture uh, and then got into software, founded my tech company. Uh, and throughout that, always kind of found ways of getting outside and getting into the outdoors. Um, and then the last 10 years, I've really kind of focused after I sold my company, I've really focused on building my coaching business, but then also really taking these adventures a little more seriously. Um, uh, various, I got into climbing and um, various kind of expedition work uh, that all culminated, uh, I guess it was a year, a little over a year ago now, uh, we made a run at uh, a peak called Ama de Blom, uh, which is uh, just south of Everest, uh, 22 and a half thousand feet. So we spent about a year training for that and doing a whole bunch of crazy, what we call flash, a flash ascent, which we pre-acclimate in tents and stuff before we go. And then we uh, go up to elevation and do our final acclimation. And then uh, we made a run. We did not summit, uh, but we made it to about 21 and a half thousand feet. Wow. And, uh, pulled off the mountain at that point. So, uh, yeah, so I've done all sorts of crazy things, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not only a place for me to kind of push myself and have these experiences. It's also just this place of kind of grounding and centering that I have always kind of gone to, um, whenever, whenever I need, and it's kind of part of a, a general kind of ritual and practice that I have. So it's been interesting. And, and with the new business that you mentioned, Wilder, really kind of integrating those things. So um, I have a business partner and we're focused on uh, doing kind of the leadership and team development work, strategy work that I do, but now doing it in pretty amazing, epic outdoor settings. So uh, whether it's national parks or, um, you know, just beautiful locations around the world where you know, we can do the work, but really kind of get the benefit of perspective of kind of being in a different kind of container uh, and, and having that connection to the outdoors and actually using the outdoors to actually go out and have experiences. 
is, is super cool, right? It's just super exciting for me and and the work that we've done and how this is coming together. So yeah, it's exciting. Uh, the last uh, the last five years particularly has been exciting to integrate those things. So that's a little background. Happy to dig into any of those that that you want to get more insight on. Hey Bruce, I'm really happy to have you here. And you know, we we've met a couple of times, and I am I am just really impressed with the, with the quality of uh, of mind and heart mind that that you bring. Uh, just in in your field, like the field that you create, and I have no doubt that you are an absolutely superb coach. Um, I'm also really impressed with the ventures that you've created. You know the career that you've had. So I'm just really interested to hear about what makes you tick, what has motivated you, what has inspired you, and informed the different decisions that you've made in your life. So I'd love to, I guess, start off with what you've done a lot of things and you've yep. got some recent ventures that are you know coming to, coming to fruition right now when when do you know what that a venture it's time to move on and mm. go in a different direction um <laughs> it's one of those things it's probably about three months after i should have moved on <laughs> like there's a certain amount of you got to know it after the fact it's tough to see it coming sometimes um and my my life has had a series of uh i'll call them pivots uh right and and sometimes uh thought through and strategized and planned sometimes forced upon me and kind of figuring out how do i use this as an opportunity uh, but i think i've always enjoyed the idea of adventure, right? Like, and adventures could be, you know, outdoors on mountains, it could be taking on a new business, it could be, you know, a new relationship, it could be, um, you know, just having some new experience. I, I always find that that's where I learn about myself, right? I get insights, insights around mm. who I am and how I'm wired and how I think, uh, and, and they're always kind of insightful. And then honestly, like, I learn about the world, right? You learn about people, you learn about environments, you learn about culture, society, and, you know, sometimes there are harder lessons to learn, but they're always fascinating lessons. And uh, so I've always, I guess I've always seen, uh, whether it's the business side or the outdoors side as where, where can I find an edge and where can I find um, some experience to have that's going to teach me something, uh, help me learn a little bit about myself or the world. So, so can I infer yeah. from that, that perhaps when that, that sense of adventure is no longer there, might be one of those early signs that, you know, it's time to develop something new. Yeah. It's usually, I feel a little tapped, uh, right? Like I feel like I've, I have kind of learned something and there's, uh, there's, there's, there's not something that's kind of I'm grappling with at that point. And I know that that's probably a good indicator that I need to transition out. So like when I sold my company was very much of that feel like I'd spent a decade growing that we scaled it had a lot of huge wins. And then at some point, I'm like, I'm not learning anything anymore, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of doing the same things. It's feeling very routine. I'm kind of checking out at some level, right? In terms of my engagement in it. Um, like I said, those, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, I probably should have done that six months ago, but you know, that feeling of moving on. And I think the interesting thing is, is, you know, sometimes there's a very strong sense of, okay, what do I want to do next? Like, what's the pull into the next thing? I think the harder ones and some of the, the bigger ones have been when there hasn't been that pull. You kind of have to just trust the universe a little bit. You have to say, hey, look, I, I realize this is no longer my calling or this is no longer engaging me in the way that I want to be engaged in the world. And I'm not sure what's next, but I'm going to just kind of lean into uncertainty and trust myself, trust the universe, trust, you know, kind of possibility and things will be revealed. And, and 
some sometimes you need to create that space. Sometimes you need to just open up that field a little bit for that new thing to come in, um, which can be scary, uh, but it's also thrilling, right? There's there's the fine line between those two the sensations. I think there's an interesting analogy with climbing mountains. And um, and by the way, did you say you only got to twenty one thousand? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's that's amazing. Um, you know, but. To me, you know, in business is a lot of it's like climbing a mountain. You know, you start at the bottom, you work your way up, you have help along the way. And sometimes at some point you reach the peak, the, the pinnacle. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, OK, what do I do now? Do I go down the other side? Do I go to another mountain? Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear about how your love of the outdoors and climbing has influenced your business career. Yeah, so I think I mean, certainly having done some pretty epic outdoor adventures, uh, I think two things that come to mind. One is uh, just that feeling of uncertainty, the feeling being comfortable with uncertainty or being comfortable with, hey, look, we have some parameters around this, but there's there are things that are going to happen that we need to figure out as we go. And that's part of the fun, right? Like you you can be prepared, kind of prepared for anything and not know exactly what's going to happen and have to deal with things in the moment. And I think that's been hugely helpful in business. Right. Like you can have the best plan in the world, the best strategy in the world, the best intentions, but you get in there, things are going to come up and you have to figure out how to deal with the situation, how to collect information, how to kind of look at the options, how to, you know, decision making. Right. And outdoor environments like you run into these situations. Right. And, you know, sometimes they're, you know, just kind of tactical, like, OK, what do we do next? Sometimes they become quite serious, like outcomes can be, you know, dealing with severe injury or, you know, worse if, if you don't really think through the situation and kind of assess things. That happens in business all the time. Um, I think the other thing is just realizing how much you can do, <laughs> like how, how much you can kind of push yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. And sometimes that's good, right? Sometimes that's needed and useful. Sometimes it's not. I've certainly been in business situations um, where we're like, oh, yeah, we shouldn't bother doing that. Yeah, like we got through it and we pushed really hard and we, you know, we figured it out, but probably wasn't the best strategy. Like we probably brute forced the situation more than we should have. Mm -hmm. So I think understanding kind of that balance or understanding, okay, those, those are options. And I know I can push myself in different ways and I can tolerate a lot of discomfort if I need to in different times, but do I need to, right? And so it's a lot of that know, knowing you can, but then knowing whether you should or should not. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's powerful stuff. I've got a question too about your, your coaching. How, and how, how do you uh, frame it? I'm, I'm curious, you know, what is, um, what is it you're listening for when you're, you know, talking to somebody at the beginning about their issues? Um, and another way to, you know, pose that would be, you know, what, how, where do you feel that you're, you're especially, um, able to help somebody? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I've really zeroed in on strategic coaching for leadership teams. Uh, so I do some sort of executive one-on-one -on -one kind of leadership coaching with individuals and leaders, but my primary focus is teams, right? So I'm working with, uh, you know, usually senior leadership teams of companies. Sometimes they're, uh, you know, senior teams of uh, big departments inside large companies, but we're looking at what are we trying to do, right? What is the strategy here? What are the outcomes that we want to achieve? What are the strategies we're, we're going to use to execute it? And then what do we need to do as a team to be able to deliver on that? You know, and it's a combination of kind of strategic clarity and process and goals and alignment and then understanding, okay, well, what's the work to be done and what, what resources, capabilities do we have as individuals and as a team 
to execute on that. So I, I kind of joke half my job is business model, half my job is therapy, right? It's like what what's in our way in terms of our performance as a team for achieving what we've set out to achieve on the business side. You know, and sometimes that's communication. Sometimes that's clarity of roles and responsibilities. Sometimes it's interpersonal dynamics, right? Sometimes it's skill gaps. Um, you know, I love, well, one of the things I always do with teams, I, I do this pretty much with every session I run, but I start them with games, right? Mm -hmm. So I give them some kind of game. It could be as simple as, like I do one where I give them a card deck and I shuffle the card deck and I time them how long it takes them to reassemble the card deck into a perfect order. Cool. Um, and I have them do it again and again and again mm -hmm. and just seeing them figure out, okay, what do we do? What do we, what do we want to try differently experiment and seeing the team dynamics? I mean, within mm -hmm. 20 minutes of that game, I have a pretty good understanding of what I'm dealing with from a team mm -hmm. point of view. I can mm -hmm. see who leans in, who leans out, who takes control, who's thinking, who's, you know, who's analyzing situations, who's like figuring out the outcome, who just wants to get started. And in there is the essence of team performance, right? And so I love that really kind of sorting through the dynamics and understanding, okay, how is this team interrelating and working together? And then how is it connected to the strategy we're trying to execute? And where do they have capabilities that are highly aligned to what we're trying to do? And where do they have capabilities that may not serve us very well? And how do we tease those things apart and help them focus on things. I think the hardest one is typically where a team is really good at something and they love leaning on it, but it just doesn't serve the strategy they're trying to execute. And that's really, yeah. it's really hard for a team mm -hmm. to not just flex a muscle that they're really good at flexing when it's not going to help them strategically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned, um, that, that you're kind of like a therapist as well as a, as well as business coach and, and of I know that too, you know, being a coach, there's an element there. And, you know, from that standpoint, you, you, you only understand other people to the extent you understand yourself, right? So you have to understand yourself really deeply. And then as far as the professional coaching goes, um, you, you can only help people execute at the highest level, whether they're individuals or teams yeah. to the extent that you've really excelled, you know, in your own business environments, which you obviously have. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this kind of the, the self-knowledge part of it and how you're able to help people understand themselves. This kind of our, you know, our game of Zen yeah. is about that kind of the spiritual dimension, if you will. But the, but the game is about really just it's, it's about yourself. Yeah. It's the inner game of understanding yourself, what your gaps, what your what your unknowns are, what your weaknesses are and what your kind of strategies are to make up for your weaknesses mm -hmm. instead of le leaning into them, perhaps compensating for them. That whole kind of brilliant game how how do you you know coach for that game because clearly you're a you're a great uh player of that yeah. game <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I, I mean I think part of me having, having been a great player like having been through some of these crucibles right like having you know founded a company and grown a company sold a company like knowing um you know knowing what that's like intimately right being 3 a.m in the in the in the lawyer's office, right. Trying to close a deal and having two hours left before the contract expires. And like, you know, like knowing kind of the, the messiness of all that allows you to, uh, I guess, sort of combination of empathize and also give kind of a frame for leaders that are going through similar kind of situations. Uh, so I think that's one thing that I've always done pretty well is being able to kind of tap into my own experiences, kind of good, bad, and ugly. And, use them as a grounding to help give leaders context. Because a lot of times leaders 
you know, just have never been through this before, never been through that kind of situation before. And they're feeling very ungrounded and very alone and very kind of um, uncertain about things and being able to give them some kind of, hey, look, we've done this before. Here's the situation I had. This is the experience that I've had. This is what I learned around that. Like it just gives a certain amount of comfort uh, and ability to then work through the situation they're going through. So I think that's one. I, I think, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of work um, just getting clear with my own kind of thinking and understanding myself around these things and understanding where my kind of tendencies, where those come from, where that's helpful, where that's not helpful and being able to kind of apply it or realize where I'm going to apply it in different ways. Um, you know, I'm quite analytical. That's great in a lot of cases. In some cases, it's totally the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I just have to know that that's my muscle, right? That's the, that's my go-to strategy. And I need to be aware of, okay, this is my strategy. Do I use it? Do I not use it? In this case, if I'm not going to use it, what's the alternate strategy that I'm going to deploy here? And knowing that and then working with leaders and helping them sort of see, okay, look, you, you've got a, a go-to strategy, a winning strategy. That's great a lot of times. In fact, it probably got you to where you are today, but you need to be more aware of when you're, when you go to apply it, particularly in kind of a reactionary way and how can we catch that and then make a more conscious decision on, okay, is that really the right strategy now? Maybe we ought to try something else. Maybe we should step back from this thing, right? And helping them, you know, I talk a lot about kind of creating some space, right? Like creating some space between, okay, this, this is what I, my reaction to something and this is then my conscious decision on how I'm going to react. And, you know, for, I think for most people, it's, there's no space <laughs> and being able to create a little bit of, you know, a little bit of light between those things is, is one of the things I, I find super helpful in working with leaders. Love it. I think what both of you guys also talking about that's so interesting is the more that you know and understand yourself, the better you can lead and help your team and your company. And, and that could be through the, the practical advice about the team and the setup, or it could be through the therapy and just your personal stuff. So, um, so Bruce, so how do you measure success over time? Like, how do you track how well the team is doing based on what you're implementing? And also, what do you do if you see things are stuck where they're not kind of getting it? How do you get it unstuck? Yeah, so the first part, I, it's, that's kind of the one of the first things I do with the team is under, define success. Like, where do we want to go? What does success look like? I mean, I usually start with some kind of really kind of purpose, like exercise. Like, why are we even in this business? What are we, like, who is it that we serve? Like, what is the intent or impact that we want to have in the world? And then break that down to a BHAG or some some kind of big achievable, you know, this is the the peak that we're trying to reach over the next 10 years, you know, and then we break that down into kind of more base camps, but I would kind of like use these climb analogies, but like we choose a summit and then we start figuring out what our base camps are, right? What is the, what is the route we're going to try first? Um, you know, but it's a team process, right? I find that one of the most important things to do in working with leadership teams is that has to be a team process by which you're getting alignment and getting buy-in in to those goals. Cause if you come in, you know, CEO coming and say, this is what we're going to do. This is why we, I just need you to execute. You're not going to get the same kind of commitment, same kind of real attachment to the the work to be done. And so I always like, work with the team to set their goal, have them set their goals. And I'll certainly give feedback and I'll give them kind of insight, make sure they're thinking about possibilities. But 
but it's really the team job that's part of the first process. Once we have that, then we can kind of use that to measure success. We can start setting up some milestones. What are the metrics that we're going to use to kind of define progress? Um, teams always get stuck, right? That's kind of just the nature of teams, right? It's the nature of the process. If they're not getting stuck, it probably means that we didn't choose a hard enough goal at some level, right? Like there, there is going to be that process. Um, and a lot of that is, okay, a realizing you're stuck. <laughs> Sometimes one of the only one of the best things I can do as a as a coach is to say you are stuck, <laughs> and let's like call it right now because sometimes if they're just grinding away on something and not realizing that can just chew up energy and get frustrating. Um, and then you know I'm a big fan of lean and you know kind of this Socratic method. Like okay, we start asking why. Like what what is going on here? Like what is causing this? What's causing that? What's causing that? Getting down to kind of root cause analysis. Like I I use this analogy as an architect. I said just just because you have water in the basement doesn't mean you have a crack in the foundation, right? Like it could be that your chimney flashing is off. In fact, it usually is because your chimney flashing is off, right? And and it's trickling down the whole house and just pooling in the basement. But if you assume that the problem is actually in the basement, you're you're not going to get to the real issues. So having this kind of philosophy, you know, some of it is philosophy, mindset, some of it is you know tools and kind of practical techniques to get into sort of issue, analyzing the issue, analyzing the problem, figuring out root cause, like in sort of systems to be able to kind of identify that. And once we have those, then, then you're talking about systemic change, right? You know, really, how do we make this so that we're never really going to have this particular problem again, right? We're going to put in place a system that's going to avoid that root cause or kind of solve that root problem so that we can then move forward with more confidence. <laughs> You, you know, talking about this group work and these these beautiful experiences that you guide people through, whether it's out in the wilderness or in the say the boardroom, um, it, it's well understood in the therapeutic profession that group work is is actually exponentially more powerful for yeah. for individuals than one on one work is, um, just because of the relatedness and the connection and the the releasing the self centered focus mm -hmm. of the work. You know, it really it really opens it up and 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 which is wonderful but also it requires a really strong framework for that group work to happen so that people don't you know go off into their own trips and pull the rest of the group you know along with them so i i can hear that you you're providing that superb you know group structure and i i the, the power of the outdoor i want to i want to ask you just about yeah. that because that the, these wilderness retreats that you're doing some of which are specifically focused on st strategic leadership some are focused on unplugging some are focused on mindfulness you've got a, a variety of different themes i think that you that you focus on in these and it, it almost seems like given the proper container, the, the experience just works by itself. <laughs> do, do you find that? Yeah, there's a certain extent. I mean, there's I mean, there's a couple of facets. I mean, one is just nature, right? Like I find mm -hmm. even even just putting a, a group of individuals out in nature, the sort of the sensory experience, right? You now are kind of tapping into um, both uh, uh types of stimulation that most people don't have on a regular basis and often invoking senses that they are not that are not highly stimulated in other cases right so we start dealing with feeling of you know air and temperature and the sun you start having sort of smells and right this rich of whether it's you know pine forest or the smell of the swamp or cut grass or uh you know what, whatever kind of environment you're in like it, you have these this sensory experience that you don't get 
most people don't get on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. which causes all of this neuro kind of chemistry and sensory experiences, you know, brain firing in different ways that just doesn't do on a regular basis, which then activates things. Now we can go in and start talking about strategy or talking about leadership or talking about the business problems. And you're just dealing with a very different kind of brain activity structure for individuals. So some of this is just individuals in nature is super powerful. Um, Some of this is now you, you put a team working together at various levels, you know, it could be as simple as just going on a hike together, but they have to start navigating. So, okay, I've got a trail. It's like, do we stay together? Do we spread out? Do we form small groups? Are we trying to like, is everyone individual? You know, sometimes we put intention around that. Sometimes it's, we leave it up to the group to kind of see what happens in there is social interaction. They have to navigate these things right now. I have to start interacting with people that I work with on a regular basis or will, mm-hmm. will, will be working with together on a regular basis if it's a new team and, and giving them sort of these tools or giving them the experience of having to no- negotiate themselves socially, right? Mm-hmm. Who's going to lead, who's going to be backup. Like does someone play sweep or not? Right? Like what mm-hmm. it, it makes them grapple with these things mm-hmm. um, to the extent of like we, we put teams on ropes and we start putting them, you know, giving them some exposure and you know, it's, it's always fascinating to see who has the fear of heights right? like, and, yeah. and oftentimes the person who is, you know, very confident in the office, you know, will, will, will all of a sudden do a 180 on the mountain and uh, just actually kind of dealing with this whole exposure and, you know, real sort of the, the perceived risk versus real risk. How do we tease that apart? Understanding risk mitigation when we get into the ropes and we talk about, you know, where failure points are and perceived failure points and perceived redundancies. And like, and it's fascinating to see them grapple with it. But then you give that, all of that stuff in the context of an exposure situation. Now all of my senses are firing mm-hmm. and I'm having to grapple with this thing and I'm having to work with people like that, that is, that is, can be an amazing crucible for team development. It's fascinating. I think nature is the best place to think. I love trees and hikes and walks and, you know, trails, and I do a lot of strategic thinking out there. So uh, first of all, the website is discoverwilder.com. Mm-hmm. Um, the things look, so I'd love to hear more specifics about the trips. Uh, where do you go? What's the day, you know, the day look like? And, and then what, how long do they last? Yeah, so I, I primarily focus on the smaller leadership teams, uh, YPO, EO forum groups. Um, so, and it kind of depends on the group. Like one of the one of my philosophies around this is understanding where the group is currently and what they want to achieve around this. So we have some groups that are, you know, they want to go hard. You know, up at five thirty, we want to do a, a pre-breakfast sunrise summit. You know, then we're going to come down and do yoga. Right, like it can be really focused activities, very physical, getting people into their body. They want to do more kind of personal work and pushing themselves. That's great. We've got agendas. We, we do sweat lodges. We do ice baths, right? Like we can kind of do the highly experiential, intense things. Like I said, we can do things on ropes if people really want to get into kind of climbing or, um, uh, you know, achieve some kind of objective uh, with the retreat from a physical point of view. We have other groups that, you know, we just, we want to create this amazing location. We want to have, you know, meditation time. Like it's really about calming and getting centered and um, more kind of internal exploration, both as individuals on a group. Um, so it really kind of depends on what the group wants to achieve. Our, our, our 
three main goals are to create sort of an epic experience. Like we want to have a really memorable experience. We want people to come out of this and say, I've never really felt or, or done something like this in terms of a location, in terms of an activity, in terms of what they saw or felt or tasted or touched, right? Like we want to create a memorable experience. Um, we want to do important work. Like we want to find the real issues, right? We've all sorts of kind of agendas and things that we can tap into, but it comes down to what is, I, I talk about entering the danger, right? Like we want to enter the danger with the group. Like what is that thing that they've been afraid to tackle? They've been skirting around, they've been avoiding, maybe they haven't really realized, you know, a lot of my job is helping them figure out what that thing is. I, I would rather tackle one really important issue really deeply on a retreat than, you know, 10 issues at a surface level. So how do we really kind of find that thing. And sometimes it's, it, it's, um, emergent, right. We'll start with some exercises or we'll, we'll have a certain agenda, you know, halfway through the first morning, something can come up and be like, okay, we're scrapping everything. And now we're focused on this for the rest of the time. Right. So it's finding that really kind of the, the crux, the thing that's really kind of holding the team back. And the other thing we want to provide is a, a really, you know, well-designed sort of full surface. Like we want to take care of everything, right? Like a lot of, I think a lot of the struggle that, particularly leadership teams and forum groups and things like that, they're busy, right? Like they don't have time to really kind of plan all the details and figure this stuff out. So a lot of what we do as a, as a group is really take care of that stuff. We, we find the right locations. We know all the little, the little things that make a really amazing experience. Um, and, you know, being able to get them there with them not having to do a whole lot of work and not having to be stressed about it, right? So mm -hmm. it's just kind of this real turnkey solution. I, having been part of EO uh, for many years and having run many re retreats myself, they're a pain in the ass. If you're if you're the retreat planner, like that is the worst retreat you've ever had is when you're the retreat planner because you're just sitting there stressed all the time. Yeah. You're trying to manage, you can't participate. You're, you're trying to run it. <laughs> it does sound fun though, too. <laughs> yeah. To go on it, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, this is you know my my next uh, lifestyle like upgrade is doing all the work that I've done in conference rooms across the world to now do them in just beautiful epic locations and outside. So yeah. that's my idea. Well, it, it really is coming to life, and and as you as you talk about this more, Bruce, I'm 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 more appreciative of of the power of of these experiences that you've created and the work that you do. It's integrating the you know the external kind of skills development, you might say, and situational, you know, wisdom that you're developing. There's the relational part of it with the teamwork. And then there's the internal skills that are being built and, and the self-knowledge. And it's all integrated, you know, into these incredibly intense, immersive, um, fun, adventurous, but it, but very, um, you know, empowering experiences. I wanted to ask you about the this um, one of one of these kind of internal, you know, qualities in a sense, and you've talked about neuroplasticity. I don't know if you use that word, but you talked about opening bit, channels yeah. with the yep. senses. Right. And, you know, you've been in the cannabis industry. I, I think you're doing a little something with psilocybin. Yeah. And so I was I wanted to invite you to, to speak about that, you know, say formal protocols for and, and just to say it, you know, I myself, you know, meditation is my primary kind of neuroplasticity and empowerment modality. You know, you could say that, but I'm also working with psilocybin as well. 
um, you know, with my clients. So I wanted to invite you to talk about um, how how you may be integrating those modalities in a more formal protocol sense into the work you're doing. Yeah. So um, so I, and I run a separate podcast uh, called Psychedelic Invest, and we cover the psychedelic industry really kind of from a business investor point of view. Um, but I've had a chance to really get to know several of the really kind of interesting up and coming uh, groups that are working with psychedelics in various format, um, bo both for kind of mental health conditions, but also for kind of for performance and, and things like that. So it's, it's a fascinating space. I've been involved in the space probably seven or eight years now. And, you know, my personal experience is fascinating in that it's it's both kind of this therapeutic kind of healing, like giving you some perspective and the ability to kind of soften things so you can get into kind of personal challenges and things like that. So there's this kind of neuroplasticity or ability to work through something that you potentially are are resistant to in other capacity in other ways, right? That that's sort of one of the options that were one of the capabilities of psychedelics. But there's also this generative side of it, which is like really helping you see new and different connections. And and sometimes those are, you know, kind of abstract or con conceptual. It's like, oh, it's kind of like I should really integrate this strategic work I'm doing with the love of the outdoors, right? Like that there's a conceptual idea down to really practical things. Like I've had experiences where like I'm grappling with, with some specific challenge and like a specific solution kind of presents itself either as part of, or immediately after these experiences, which, you know, on, on one hand you look at and you're like, Oh, well, obviously I should do that. But it wasn't obvious. It wasn't obvious until you've had this kind of experience. So yeah, I think, and and I guess my general feeling is psychedelics are one way, one modality to have these kind of experiences, whether it's meditation, breath work, right? Other things that kind of change your, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, how your kind of brain is firing or kind of the synapses and the connections and the patterns that you have, anything that can kind of soften or disrupt that a little bit to get you thinking in different ways, I find is super powerful. Oftentimes combining these things, combining these things and sort of making a combination will, um, you know, can create, you know, can create that experience, can accelerate that experience, maybe change the nature of that experience. And I mean, we can go down the list of all the psychedelics out there and they're all different and they work different ways and they have different kinds of experiences. You know, they're all tools, right? They're the yeah. a tool that you can use in different ways. It's interesting. The, the, I've, um, you know, I kept these worlds very separate, right, for a long time, right, having my kind of coaching and strategy and leadership world, my outdoor world, my, um, uh, you know, knowledge and use of psychedelics and kind of experiences there. A lot of what's happening for me is this stuff is all kind of com coming together. And mm -hmm. the more leaders that I work with, that as they really realize that a lot of their leadership challenges and potential are really wrapped up in their own kind of thinking and understanding and, you know, even just how they see themselves in the world or how they see themselves as part of the universe, like they realize that there's work to do there or there's opportunities. And I, I don't even want to present it as like, it's a problem you've got to fix. It's, it's just, it's a, a way of seeing yourself and the world that um, when you're able to kind of move up and shift and look at it creates opportunities. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in, in their, you know, there's just possibilities, right? It creates the possibilities for leaders to kind of learn and 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 try things, right? And, and sometimes there's obvious fits. Sometimes there's kind of these immediate solutions, right? It's like, oh, I solved this problem. Sometimes it's like, wow, this is really interesting. I have a whole bunch of new perspectives. I don't know when and how that's going to apply, 
mm-hmm. but it's it's more it's resourcing me. It's resourcing me in terms of what I'm able to think about, what I'm able to kind of contemplate, maybe what I'm not as caught up in in terms of a limiting kind of belief or a limiting kind of position that I'm I'm putting myself in. Sometimes that that can take months or even years where that plays out in different ways. I think it's super interesting how what's happening though. It's a lot more acceptable for for executives, especially, to talk about this. And I'm sure a lot of I mean, Steve Jobs was famous for for psychedelics. Yeah. And you know, there's all sorts of stories about Elon Musk these days and and things that he's up to. And I think it's super interesting on the corporate level how you learn more about yourself. My experiences with psychedelics, I learn a lot about myself, but when I'm doing them with other people, I have a deeper connection in some way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I could just picture being out there like in the wilderness and having a team and having some some mushrooms there and really coming out of it with a much more cohesive new ideas, firing, you know, all, all sorts of ways. And I think that we're really at the beginning of that. And I think you it's you have that experience being you know, a CEO, but also being experienced in cannabis and psychedelics where you can kind of bring it all together. I guess my question is how uh, are, are a lot of these folks like down with that right now, or is it still, you know, yeah, no, I, no go? I would <laughs> say, um, I mean, there's, there, there's certainly groups that I've worked with uh, that have personal experiences with it that we talk about as part of the work that we do. Um, I have a couple of cannabis companies that, uh, you know, are, are, their their general practice is you know to kind of consume as part of their more kind of day-to-day business stuff and you know for for various kind of various reasons or various possibilities i think it's a little more uh, uh acceptable in cannabis or it's like prevalent in cannabis um i think the psychedelic side we're still kind of sorting through things All right, i definitely have some companies that yeah it's it's a very big part of their individual lives and to some extent they're doing it uh, or they have combined or, or group experiences around it um i have yet to have a team that's like okay we want to do a three-day strategy intensive and we're gonna you know weave in you know psychedelic use as part of it i think it would be amazing um but i think it's still uh there's still enough hesitation both in terms of not uh, we're still kind of figuring out how a lot of these medicines work right so not having complete knowledge of exactly you know how is it going to affect the individuals how is it going to affect the team what are the protocol best protocols around it um and also just, I think we're still, you know, we're still dealing with enough stigma or, or at least uncertainty on how this is going to come across from a public point of view, social point of view. Um, I mean, that said, it's changing dramatically. I mean, yeah. you know, five years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really been in the last couple of years where this is now people understand, oh, okay, there's something here, right? We're still sorting it out. We're still figuring it out, but, but there's definitely something here. I mean, in terms of protocols, I mean, I'm... Like I, 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 people can have amazing experiences and like you, I, I, uh, you know, I'm an adventurer, right? So like, I'm all for like, Hey, let's look, what are the different modalities out here? What are the different medicines? How we can kind of learn from them. I'm also a big believer in like, they're just tools, right? Like there's other ways to do this work and you have to be, you have to be reasonably comfortable going into it. Like the, the, the last thing I would want to do is have someone who is not really comfortable or doesn't feel grounded enough to kind of have these experiences, get into one of these experiences and then how to not have a good experience, right? So much of this is kind of prepping and having the right setting and right, like feeling comfortable going in is going to have a huge impact on the quality and the, the value that you get out of an experience G- going into it uncertain and stressed and not feeling prepared generally is not going to lead to great outcomes. 
uh, you know, it's like I said, there's still a lot of uncertainty and a lot of work and there's going to be groups that are more interested and on edge and, you know, willing to kind of be adventurers and those other groups that are going to be like, yeah, we're, we're going to wait and see, which yeah. is totally fine. Yeah. I, I so appreciate your perspective on on this, Bruce. And you know, like like you, I'm on the cutting edge in a sense of kind of integrating this into cultures where it's been a little bit not um, understood so much, and we're learning so much. But every conversation that happens is uh, a part of the you know emergence and and the cultural shift. So this one included, yeah. and you know, those of our listeners who are who are listening here um, can uh, learn more, you know, about about the different. Uh, capacities and, and modalities available. Um, I've got one more question yeah. for you, and this is, uh, I'm going to step up and ask you about, you know, just your, your view of life, your yeah. view of the, of the country, your view of the world. Um, are you optimistic, you know, and, and, and you're a, you're a high level, high functioning business leader, leader, strategist, you know, you're working with movers and shakers, mm -hmm. you're a mover and shaker yourself. So from your perspective, are you optimistic about the world? What are the good things that are happening that you can help with and that we can help with? Ooh, interesting one. I, you know, I would say my, my general, <laughs> I, I'm kind of an optimistic realist, I guess I would say. I mean, look, the world is the world and people are people. And that's, you know, I, I don't think that there is, there's always going to be uh a certain amount of complexity and a certain amount of challenge in living life. Uh, you know, life has suffering, right? Like I think it is that there is a uh, kind of a, uh, what was that? I can't remember the quote. There's somebody who said like the, the idea that life should be happy is a construct, right? Like that is, that is a, you know, that's someone's opinion, right? There's nothing, you know, universally proven or, or universally absolute about life should be happy. You know, that said, I mean, it's, there's a certain, like embracing of the challenge of life is life, right? And it's working through those things that I think is what life is about, right? And so, I mean, I I guess I, I have a little bit of a philosophy of, yeah, at the end of the day, life is a bit of a game, right? And you have to decide how you want to play the game. And if you like not taking life too seriously, I find as helps make, create a little levity or a little ability to then make some choices and not get too wrapped up in things. So I think there's probably some philosophy there. I mean, in terms of the world overall at this point, I mean, I certainly, I, I, one of the reasons I do what I do is I believe that cultivating leadership at all levels, you know, personal leadership, community leadership, social leadership, business leadership, like all those things are just good things. Like all that stuff is going to help the world be better in different ways. Um, you know, and I, I just, that's kind of why I do what I do. Right. And I mean, I, and I do it cause I love it, but I do it because I do think that, you know, this kind of awareness and leadership skills and being able to navigate things successfully and in a very open conscious way, it, it just helps the world in, in all sorts of ways. Yeah. That's I don't know fantastic. if that answered the question, but oh, <laughs> yeah. it did. beautiful. Oh yeah. <laughs> Really great answer. And I really appreciate what you do and both of you guys, actually, because really the more people just need to be open to the, the coaching and the mentorship and, you know, the, the, ad, the adventure that you provide and even the psychedelics, like the more that you open to that, you, the more you can change 
And yeah, it is a game. Like we yeah. call it the game of Zen. You call it the game of nature, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like, we have to approach it like that. But also it's important to understand that there is suffering and why do you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about the noble truths and what causes suffering and how do I get out of it? And you're providing people with great tools. So it's really awesome. And we could keep going and maybe we need to have you on again, Bruce, but uh, yeah, uh, in the interest of time, tell us about uh, how, to, how can we reach you? How can we follow you and get in touch? Yeah. So um, for me, uh, my website, Eckfelt.com is has kind of all of my uh, personal stuff and coaching stuff that I do. Uh, Discover Wilder is uh, the work that I do with retreats and uh, getting people outside and kind of helping them use nature as a tool for really personal development, leadership development. Those are the best links. Um, from there, you can look at my ink articles, the other podcasts that I run and, and things like that. So yeah, I would love uh, people to check those awesome. out and feel free to contact me if you have any questions. Thank you. We really appreciate you being on today. Thank you so much, Bruce. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, yeah, Paul. Thank you, Bruce. Okay. And so, we, uh, as usual, we'd ask you to subscribe and share the Game of Zen podcast with your friends. And thank you very much for listening. We'll be back soon with a new episode. Thank you for joining us on this exploration into Zen Buddhism and its transformative influence on work and life. We hope you'll subscribe, share, and comment wherever you get your podcasts. May your journey be one of continuous growth and mindful living. From all of us here at Game of Zen, wishing you peace and prosperity on your path ahead.